0: And it was there that, like, I was very honored to be invited. But when I was first part of that company, I felt super uncomfortable mm. because I was surrounded by all these these, these um, actors and writers and directors of color or of mixed backgrounds or of Latino descent mm-hmm. who were very much in their culture. And yeah. I, I felt like a total fraud. Yeah. Um, and it was only through more meetings with them and them exposing me to, like, the writings of James Baldwin and things like that that I really started to, like, come around to, like... The idea that my confused identity is an American identity. Hey, it's Brazil. New York, I know you yeah. Every morning that I wake up, I think about my ambition.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla. My name is Adrian Burke, uh, the creator and host of this program. I'm so happy to have you here. If you're a new listener, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're an OG fan, uh, I appreciate you for real. I'm so excited to bring you another episode this week uh, and uh, some cool announcements coming up very soon in the future that I will tell you about in the future and stop talking about now. Okay, let's get into this week's guest. Our guest this week is the wonderful, wonderful Mike Turner. Mike is a New York-based actor, NYU Tisch alum, and budding novelist. I'm literally reading his first novel right now, uh, which has not been released, uh, and I have the privilege of reading it, and I'm super fucking into it. It's crazy. It's a dystopian fantasy trilogy called The Creators, which I'm super, super into. Uh, But anyway, Mike's been all over the place working in uh, regional theater and theater here in New York. Uh, I have the privilege of teaching with him. Every week in uh, acting classes that we work together on, uh, he's a super super sweet guy, and I'm so excited to have him on the show to talk about his mixed identity. Uh, this one was really really fun, and I think you're really gonna enjoy it. So please, uh, I was about to say please give a warm welcome to Mike Turner, like I was introducing uh, him on a on a live show or something. Uh, this got weird, but I think I'm gonna leave it in anyway. Please enjoy this episode with Mike Turner. you always drink red
0: bulls that I don't think I've ever seen a red bull that size That's the thing is I usually when I get red bulls I don't usually get one of these ones but I have a severe caffeine addiction so really. yeah I like legit probably drink 400 to 500 milligrams of caffeine a day What is I don't know milligrams at all exactly I'm a dummy well, only a caffeine addict would cuz I, I like, mean
1: listen I'm I, this is uh my second giant Dunkin' Donuts coffee today I'm definitely also a caffeine addict but I do not know it in terms of milligrams (laughs) so uh,
0: how many milligrams is normal well uh, apparently it's not too healthy to consume more than 400 milligrams in a given day That's when you like risk caffeine overdose, which I found out is a thing. That's a thing? Yep. What does that mean? Apparently, you get like heart palpitations, you get like pretty sweaty, and you can, like, if you're at risk of a heart attack already, you can't have a heart attack. Okay, wow, that explains several auditions. I know. several settings (laughs) i've been into um but it's yeah so i how how many milligrams of caffeine are in this 150 shit (laughs) and i start my days off with a red eye i make at home a cup of coffee that i put a shot of espresso in so that's roughly 150 to 180 milligrams already i feel like we probably consume similar amounts of caffeine i think so and like i'm disgusting about it well trust me man me too because like i'll i'll range it out like I don't really want to support Bang Fitness anymore because they've been what proven the f- to What the fuck is that? They, you might have seen them on like Instagram or influencer pages and no. shit. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not. Well, there's a lot there's lots of like f- I don't follow fitness stuff, Good. man. Don't don't do it. <laughs> um there's lots of like fitness and uh, um workout <coughs> Influencers who have these like little pop up ads, or they do sure. like, the swipe ups, yeah, the swipe up or they ads. do posts where it's I'm like I'm trying to get some of those for this show. <laughs> I mean, that they
1: shit is what people look at.
0: I'm not knocking on them for doing it that no. way, it's just. You know, I kind of recognize what they're trying to do with it, and it's working because, like, it does make me be like, "Oh, bang fitness, bang it's fitness." This okay. like energy drink, Ugh. but it has no sugar in it. Actually, the contents are not bad. Okay. It's just three hundred milligrams of caffeine inside of it. Got so it. it's like got almost it. an entire day's worth of caffeine. Got it. Got it. Got and got like it. creatine and a few other things that are like Ugh. stimulants. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've gotten kind of. You're a pretty fit dude, so it makes sense that you're tracking this stuff. It's yeah. true. We were at the
1: bar a couple weeks ago, and I grabbed your arm to like just like show some love, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on, Mike? Oh, Jesus Christ!"
0: Yeah, depression. That's what's going on. I
1: know. <laughs> I feel you. I've I'm I'm probably in close to the best shape I've ever been in, and it's mostly because I've been like super anxious and depressed the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so, kids, if you want to get really ripped, just get really sad. <laughs> It's it's so true. I have. I I also. So let's start the show. Uh, I'll talk about that later. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard because I've had several people on the show who I know very well. And Uh I have to go into like host brain instead of like uh, friend brain. Totally. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for being here, Mike. Thank Thank you. Welcome to La Mescla. Thank you. Uh, Let's start the way I start them all, which is just introduce yourself to my mom's friends and uh, introduce yourself and say where you're from, where your parents are from, what's your mix. Let's start with your deal.
0: Okay. Um, Hello, Adrian's mom's friends, first of all. That's right. Uh, My name is Mike Turner. Um, I am mixed. Uh, um, my dad is Irish uh, descent, yes. uh, tall. Yeah. Shout outs, Irish I dads. know. It's crazy to me how many. Marcella, are... too. Yeah. And Weird. a few others I've heard. Weird. It's like the Irish folks really love Latino folks, it seems like. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my dad's side is largely like Irish Scottish descent. Mm-hmm. They're all very tall. Uh, pale gangly individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom is uh, straight off the Island Dominican. Mm-hmm. So all of them are shorter. Uh, and, uh, she is of the darker persuasion cause her father was, um, black Dominican mm-hmm. and her, my grandmother, uh, is, it looks like Mediterranean, like mm-hmm. definitely white, uh, white Dominican. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly mixed from and both of those. When did your mom move here? Uh, yeah, that's wild. She, um, she came here in 1966, okay. I want to say. A well, 19... earlier than mine. Yeah. How old was she? What, about? what year did your family come? Uh,
1: my mom moved, I, I somewhere around 70, early 70s. Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They, they weren't here that much longer. They might've been like 67 or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they came, uh, largely because the civil war was going on down in the Dominican Republic at that point. So it was Um, the whole family. It wasn't just mom. Yeah. Well, strangely enough, my, uh, grandmother's sister was already living in Maine. Up here? Man. I know. I've never heard how she ended up there. How Dominicans ended up all the way in yeah, the I'd butt l- fuck of nowhere. I'd love to hear <laughs>
1: that story. Because everybody
0: just goes to Miami.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Oh, my grandmother would never. She is strangely racist against Cubans who moved to Miami. Ah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. get why, but. Uh, I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> I even know some Cubans from Miami who hate
1: Cubans from Miami.
0: <laughs> they are a very specific type of yeah, people. very Republican type of people, yes. <laughs> That's what's wild to me, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Marco Rubios of the world. There's so much stuff now i want to talk about like like how immigrants feel about other generations of immigrants yeah, in certain yeah, situations but, but anyway they moved to maine yeah um so yeah things were not good down on the island so they got out um and my grandmother because her sister already lived up there took my mom and my uncle um who was like one at the time and i guess my mom was two or three mm-hmm. um and My grandmother brought them up to Maine to stay with her sister for a while. Do you know the name of the town in Maine? Uh, They were in Yarmouth, I want to say. Yarmouth. Or Falmouth, yeah. Oh, my God. uh, I'm not too sure, but I picture
1: Maine as all lighthouses. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Maine, but I imagine it's 75% lighthouses. Yeah, at if
0: you if you opened a bottle of coffee brandy and found a lighthouse inside, and then a lobster fell into your hand, that's Maine, mm. right? What there. is like, coffee brandy? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's it's in every freezer in Maine. Wow, is um, that exactly what it sounds like? It's, it's coffee exactly, and brandy. Yeah, and it's like what people like to add to their morning coffee or Shit. stuff because it's Maine is Maine is basically Canada light. Mm. So like it's the same lifestyle in ways where like during the winter, like there's not much to do. Yeah. And you do not go out. Does Awila still live up there? Um no, she lives in New Hampshire now. Okay. My mom my mom has done very well for herself over her life. So she owns a house in New Hampshire Hell now. Oh yeah. And my my grandmother um, lives there in that house. For the so most part. your mom grew up there in Maine? Yeah, she grew up in Maine. Um, and yeah, my dad did too. They actually met when they were in high school.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh
0: my God. Your parents are high school sweethearts? They were high school sweethearts. That's bananas. It gets wild from Good there Good for though. them. Yeah. Good yeah. for them. It, it, I, I think so too. Um, and yeah, so they, uh, my mom had an interesting youth in Maine, though, because she and my uncle, you know, being mixed Dominican themselves, were, like, the darkest things in Maine. Mm. Like, there are not many people of color Can't or imagine. mixed individuals up Can't there. Can't imagine. <laughs> people of color, historically,
1: not fans of lighthouses.
0: Exactly. If it gets cold and snowy anywhere, they're usually not attracted <laughs> That's to that. such a stupid thing I just said. There are lighthouses all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if people of color, of color tried, they would love lighthouses. Is sure, all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. do myself. I really I, want to see that movie. By the way, the, the lighthouse. The lighthouse. I have, have no seen idea it? what it's about. I've seen black and white. Robert Pattinson. i mean, and a it, seagull, in a seagull. I've heard it's dope. I know Robert Pattinson
1: uh, fucks a mermaid in it. Are you serious? Yeah, that or, happens. It might be a dream sequence, but I know that that's part of the movie. What is everyone's sorry, obsession sorry with that? Sorry, if people are <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't have, seen it. Though. That
0: makes me think of Shape of Water, like last year though, and I'm like, oh, true. I never saw that one either. Yeah, me neither. But I know there was a fish fuck scene. We're working out our bestiality impulses, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, I'm sad I just said fish fuck into a microphone.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so your parents (laughs) meet in Maine, they get together, and your mom's, like, one of the only people of color in Maine. Yeah. That's kind of where we
0: were. Yeah, she and my uncle were, like, during the summer, they stood out the most, especially Mm -hmm. because, like, any sunlight would turn them a nice, toasty, toasty color. Right, I'm forever jealous of your tan skin. Yes, guess (laughs) yes. It's what confuses people all the time because like, me and my sister can tan like crazy during the summer, yeah. but then everyone just assumes we're Italian. I know. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure when I met you, I assumed Italian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I have people I work with still. A guy yesterday, actually, who drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> he uh, he asked right off the bat when he first met me if i was italian and i told him my whole spiel <laughs> and ever since he continually forgets he's always like i mean italian americans like us and i've just stopped correcting him. Yeah, I'm like, yeah sure but no <laughs> is he from the new york area i think so yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. new york italian americans exactly. are very, very exactly. tribal like that yeah and they like to try and draw people into the tribe i yeah. think yeah yeah um so then where so
1: your parents get together and they where do they move or do they stay up there
0: well yeah it was it, it gets wilder from there um, um yeah, they, they got together in high school. And my dad grew up uh, in a military family. So my grandfather okay. was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Shit. So my dad was a military brat growing up. He spent part of his like younger youth in Iran. They were living there before the revolution. Wow. Um, and they actually got out during the revolution because, you know, servicemen were not in good company over there. Sure. So then that's what brought them back here. Um, and he was doing time, he, doing time in Maine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, again for a while. And then he actually, moved again and came back, I think, like his junior or senior year of high school. Got and that it. was when, the way my mom describes it is when he left, he was a pudgy, geeky, pimple-faced kid. Mm. And when he came back, he was tall and had like a full head of hair sure. and like played basketball. No, he didn't play basketball, but he like was looking like a basketball player. Got it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. she was very into that. So he basically grew up on a military base in Iran? Yeah, kind of. She... And then in other places, too. He moved yeah. around a lot. But he, did he end up going into the military or he was just no. there because of his family? yeah okay. he he was just there because my grandfather got it um and they spent time living in Germany too, mm. and like on military bases though yeah um and then very
1: international yeah,
0: I mean, my dad wasn't in the none of my family were really in the military, but
1: he also sort of grew up all over the place oh yeah, yeah where uh he well because his uh my grandmother and grandfather were split up. I think, fairly shortly after he was born. And so he grew up when he went to elementary school. He was in Spain with his grandmother, with my grandmother, with his mom, and then went to high school in Minnesota, where his dad lived. It was like a really weird, uh, all-over-the-place upbringing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Again, like, Latino people ending up in the snowiest, coldest portions of the United States. (laughs) Well, he wasn't. He was the white Irish one. Oh, okay, By virtue of growing up in Spain, he spoke fluent Spanish. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's right, because I remember another episode where you talked about that. Yeah, I talk about myself too much. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, where was... Oh, yeah, my dad. um, And so that's... They met, again, in, like, their junior, senior year of high school. Uh um, And... They got together after that and moved in with each other, uh, got married fairly quickly. I think they were married by, like, 21, 22. God, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, Very. I I think about that all the time. I'm 27 now, and I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to get married. I know. Well, I know. And then, you know, you come from a family of divorce too. There's all that. Mm -hmm. Like, tons of us are kind of anti-marriage or not quite in with marriage because of that. Right, yeah. But then I think about my parents, and it's like... I I remember me at 21 and there's no way in hell I had the no. maturity to handle marriage. No. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, they they got married and I think they had my sister when they were 22. My mom was 22 at least, mm-hmm. I think. Um and not entirely sure which came first, chicken or the egg. There, I don't know if <laughs> if my sister might have been. We might be opening a box here, right? Exactly. If yeah. y-
1: if your mom listens to this, you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah, we there are very few boundaries <laughs> in my family. So she,
0: she although she, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a Dominican thing or just my family, but none of us really like airing our dirty laundry in public. Sure. And I just recently had a conversation with uh, my girlfriend Shayna about uh-huh. that because she is very much the opposite, where she's like, I don't really give a shit who oh. hears or sees what. Oh yeah, yeah. What's about. No, my family same it's like family business is right, family business. right yeah but it's something i never thought about for myself is like now i'm like oh i think i have an issue with like my stuff being aired in front of at least my friends got it. i really don't care less if and strangers... yet you agreed to be on this podcast <laughs> where you knew i would ask you these questions <laughs> yeah i'm i'm an oddball if, if you haven't already figured that out um yeah so
1: where do they end up
0: settling when they have you where are they when they have you So they were living in Portland by that point. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine, uh, which is like the capital and like the biggest city, I think, Mm -hmm. Maine. It's right there on the water. Um, And back then it was still like a harbor town. Uh, It hadn't really uh, gentrified and hipsterized the way it is nowadays. Really? It's hipsterized now? Yeah, I would say so. I'm sure there are some people who would fight me about this, but um, I went up there back in July and going back was really interesting because I haven't been back up there on my own, like without family members Uh since like... We moved in 1999. Shit. So going back, it was like I saw so much of what was still there and what hadn't changed. But mm-hmm. then like so much had changed. Like there were so many new restaurants and bars and like the brewery scene had taken over. Sure. And like, I yeah. imagine that's big over there. Yeah, exactly. It's like a lot of the older like factories or like fisheries that weren't being used anymore, I think, uh, have been converted uh, into bars and breweries yeah. and stuff. And honestly, it's great. So what was it like growing up there,
1: being a mixed kid?
0: Strange. I imagine it stayed super white, right? Yes. Yeah, well, and, like, that area really supported some odd things about my family in general. Like, um, my my mom, when she was growing up, kind of leading backwards in the storytelling now. Uh, My grandmother, when she came here, was kind of in desperate straits. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they really wanted to assimilate as quickly as possible right. and, like, set up shop here. As happens when right. they're fleeing conflict. Right. Something yeah. I've covered
1: on the show. Like, my mom w- was like, let's preserve this culture because, you know, she came from the place the, things were comfort. I mean, things have been chaotic in Peru forever. But specifically mm-hmm. for her family, like, she wasn't fleeing conflict or violence or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was, mm-hmm. So I think people, who, immigrants who come from a comfortable uh who come from comfortable circumstances are more likely to want to, Keep the culture whereas yes. people who are coming from conflict want to just assimilate.
0: I agree. Yeah. Especially yeah, because it's it's traumatic. Yeah. And I think I think it's hard to separate that trauma from the culture in a certain yeah. way for a lot of those mindsets. I don't know. I've yeah. never been there myself. Yeah. So your mom was was your mom also all about assimilation? Yeah, because my grandmother ended up marrying this uh super racist white dude. Like he <laughs> I I don't often use the term monstrous for anybody, but uh-huh. that dude, as wow. far as what I've heard, is a monster and Shit. dead thankfully but uh, my grandmother has been quoted as saying I would dance on his grave if I knew where it was so Woo! <laughs> Dominicans don't fuck I around know. don't fuck with don't fuck with Ana Menendez that's the thing um <laughs> So yeah, she ended up marrying this guy and y- you can totally understand why. It's mm. he I think he was he was kind of a waspy white man and he had money. Yeah. Um so he he offered comfort and protection for them. Right. Uh but in in gaining that, he also like didn't let them speak Spanish in the house. Mm. So my mom and my uncle both forgot it. Um and both of them kind of were being raised then as like wasps. Like yeah. they they were being taught how to interact in uh upper class white society basically wow um and they got good at it uh and my grandmother did too but i think uh as time went on and as my as my mom and my uncle became teenagers they kind of started to realize the rift that existed for them that they didn't look the way everyone else did and right. that something was missing um and so a lot of like trauma and abuse came out of that household. Mm. and my uncle eventually left, like during high school, he moved in with like a whole other family wow. because things were that bad. And uh, my grandmother endured a lot from that that guy, and uh, my mom did too. Um, and yeah, once they kind of left him in the dust and he was out of the picture was when my grandmother really started reclaiming, everything, uh, like the culture, the, the language and everything. And my mom started to, too, although yeah. she really still doesn't speak Spanish. She can understand it really well. Mm-hmm. But um, none of us, sadly, really speak it. Yeah. Uh, and these days now I have a lot of guilt surrounding that because now I'm an adult. That's just on me. Like, About the language? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I tried. I took five years of Spanish in high school, but mm. that was also when I was becoming a huge stoner and partying. Ah, <laughs> you and me both, my friend. <laughs> I took a couple of years of Spanish.
1: Because my Spanish has been all over. I'm, I'm at a place now where I'm fairly comfortable with it and, yeah. like, okay with its flaws Yeah, um, in my Spanish. Uh, but I spent a long time feeling that sense of, not even guilt, but, like, shame yeah. for not knowing... Spanish super well because it actually was my first language. So uh, having lost it over a certain number of years, I felt, like, especially responsible because I was like, this used to be the only language you, you spoke. You mm-hmm. know, like, you're fucking up right yeah. now. It's a real uh, messed
0: up thing that
1: we do to ourselves. But, like, it's it okay. Is. And you can also learn and practice. Yeah.
0: And it's all about perspective because, like, legit, every time you speak Spanish, I feel both proud of you and then also ashamed of myself because I'm like, God, yeah. that sounds so good the way you do it. And, like, when you and Marcella, for instance, talk, I'm just like, oh, I wish. I want to be in on that. <laughs> But so then... we'll, all,
1: we'll all we'll all practice. We'll all get together. Yeah. Uh, Marcella, friend of the show, past guest of the show, friend of the show, past. The show. <laughs> uh, cool. So this is so we're still somewhere around. Let's talk about like like the kids you hung out with, like in maybe middle school, high school years as you're growing up. Like yeah. what sort of crowd are you running with? If your mom is sort of in this uh, assimilation mindset, what is that like for you? Or like how are how are you experiencing the world? Is your mixed identity even a factor in your head or are you just kind of like being mm-hmm. a kid
0: well well uh yeah a lot about everything you just asked uh because we only lived in maine until i was like nine right so yeah, you moved to virginia, virginia yeah. yeah so that has a like played a huge role in everything you're talking about for sure me. sure because sure. up until age nine i didn't really think much about um Anything in my background, because also one thing I didn't mention is my dad came out as gay when uh, mm. when my sister was four years old and when I was, like, ab- about to be born. Got it. So my parents stayed together for, like, a year after I was born to co-parent me and kind of get things sorted out. Sheesh. And then uh, he moved out and uh, met. My other dad, um, shortly thereafter. So mm-hmm. I grew up in this world where Latino women doing everything on their own and raising me on their own and then this gay couple raising yeah. us were totally normal. Yeah. And I didn't really feel any... No, is-
1: just a normal American...
0: Yeah, degree. totally. Totally. <laughs> and, like, in Maine, I didn't really feel any <laughs> isolation or or difference because of that, mm-hmm. which is odd to me because many people would be like, I'm sure in Maine you would. But... um but I guess I was just too young. And and I think it was also the work of my family showing me that this was all normal. Yeah. So I just really grew up thinking, like, that is totally normal, Yeah. my, my circumstances. Well, are so- well,
1: things that you recognize later in life as, you know, traumatic or unconventional. Like, when you are in the eye of the storm, it's just like, this is what it is. These totally. are my circumstances. I had the same thing with, you know, the my dad dying when I was very young. I yeah. was like, this is sad, but, like... This is normal, yeah. and then you get a little older, and you talk to a therapist, and they're like, "Um, you might be fucked up for several reasons." Dude, it's it, like,
0: "Oh, that interesting." Was my exact experience is: yes. this was the, earlier this year was the first time I've sought out therapy as an adult. Hey, snaps for now. Thank God, mental health, guys, it's so important. Um, Shout outs to Sharon. Shout outs to Sharon. Who is your Sharon? What's your Sharon? Uh, Annie. Shout outs to Annie. <laughs> 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 uh, I miss you, Annie. Um, but. Yeah, the the first, like, two sessions I had with her were so fascinating because I basically told my story the way I've told it to so many people. And she was, like, one of the first to be like, that's wild. Yeah, you all right? (laughs) You doing okay? And at first I was kind of offended, like, you know, defense mechanisms. Like, it's not that crazy. But then, like, talking to my sister, too, who's been through therapy herself, I was like, wow, yeah, we had a a crazy chaotic childhood. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. like, those circumstances were a lot. Yeah. But that's, How old, much older is your sister? She's about four years older. Than yeah, me. Same. yeah, same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. didn't realize that. I thought your sister was younger. For no, she's days. four years older. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a good range. It's I, think. A, I think it's the perfect distance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which more, way more so than like friends who have like a 10-year-old or sibling or yeah. something. Then I'm like, you miss them completely. Like, yeah. So, so when you're in school in Maine, it's you're, are you in a single-parent household with your mom? Yeah. So when we were growing up in Maine, it was kind of the, the normal divorce setup where, like, uh, we were mostly living with my mom. And my grandmother was always either living, like, right next door or with us. Got it. Um, until our last years in Maine. Then my grandmother moved to Puerto Rico where her siblings had been living in San Juan. Um, and she was kind of living down there. Okay. Um. And so we would see my dad's and stay with my dad's uh, on kind of weekends and holidays. Okay.
1: And they were also in the area. They or? were in
0: Provincetown by that point. Okay. Which, Which is
1: not that far away. No. Right? No. Yeah. yeah. It
0: was a couple hours usually commute. Um. And my my parents were really good at communicating and like meeting halfway and switching off. That's a blessing. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it's a blessing to me too because as much as that was part of why our childhood was chaotic, there was a lot of Traveling and transition always, so yeah. it was hard to feel like grounded. Yeah. I bet you were a really worldly kid. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no,
1: not... I, I, I don't. I've never fully known what the word worldly means, but I'm using it in, a, in like a positive way. Like you were experiencing life on a realer level than most children. Yes. So I, yes. I, I had the same kind of experience of like. <laughs> You're experiencing some real shit pretty young, so mm-hmm. I think you kind of, like, grow up a little faster than yeah, other kids.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I was I was a very serious kid. Yeah. Like, there are many stories of us sitting down at restaurants and then putting crayons and a <laughs> coloring pad in front of me and me going, I want a menu. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have your wine list? Exactly. Yeah, funny. I wanted to be a grown-up, like, from the get-go. Yeah. And I think it was partly because of that... Um, And yeah, there was a lot of traveling involved. My dad's, though, living in Provincetown, I still see as both uh, something that made things more complicated for me and my sister, but also a blessing. Mm -hmm. Because Provincetown then and now was like the gay Mecca of of the United States. Like one of those places where that community could thrive and be themselves and like protect themselves and – make space for each other right so we would spend summers there often um and like anybody who's been to provincetown knows like the fourth of july there is like one of the greatest you're ever going to see yeah just like the culture was so real and upfront that it was another thing that made me kind of be like, oh, this is life. Like the world is yeah. gay and dark skinned and like wow. beautiful and like Wow. Yeah. As a, you know, reformed, incredibly homophobic
1: young kid, I that's bananas to <laughs> Really? Free. Well, I you know, I was raised I was raised in suburban New York. I mean obviously my mom would slap the shit out of me if she heard the things I was saying to my friends in like the fifth and sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah it was hard I I wasn't I think I had a pretty conventional American boy uh, relationship to to homosexuality, which was, like, I wasn't ever told or taught – I wasn't in, like, a super religious family or anything. I wasn't ever told, like, gay people are bad, Mm -hmm. like, being gay is bad. But, like, I was taught that calling someone gay is a great insult, and I ran with that for a long time. In a way that I think a lot of kids did, which is like somehow not never making the link that like using this as an insult is actually talking about gay people. It's just like, yeah. no, I'm just like calling Robert Spielvogel this name. Oh, I just used a real first and last name. He'll never listen to this, but like you know what I mean. So like, what I to to be actually raised seeing in like in its full form that culture, uh, mm-hmm. it's completely wild to me.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, but I also. Like, you're not alone in, in where you were coming from as a young man. Because I think it was also our culture back sure. then when we were growing up still. I mean, and it still needs work.
1: Oh, boy, in Latino culture, oh, too. For Ooh, the machismo sure. in South America is yeah. horrifying like, to uh, this day, yeah. right now.
0: I love my uncle to death, but he... Even, even with my dad being in, in like the periphery and everything, my uncle still, I think grapples with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And even just a lot of like, like he's only recently gotten really comfortable with like crying in front of his son yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I cried every single minute of every day, not for depression sake as a kid, but just cause like I was with all these emotional women who yeah. were always like, just do it. Just let it out. Yeah. Like it's not a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah and i think that's credit that's credit to my mom and my grandmother and my sister and my dad's is they all were very they seemed very concerned with both helping me fit in mm. as as like a young man growing up with them but then also kind of trying to teach me Different ways of being a man than than our culture was teaching at that yeah, time. Yeah, so I'm grateful to them for a lot of that. Yeah,
1: I couldn't tell you to this day. I couldn't tell you what being a man is. Oh, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't. I don't think anybody. I don't think anything about the culture of this country is good for no. young boys. Yeah, really. At, yeah, at all. You uh,
0: say that like being. I'm a man, still fucked up about it. Exactly. I'm like, we need to kind of toss that and create something new. Yeah, I feel like cause... everything for men is really hard right now. <laughs>
1: I'm joking. Oh my god, I'm joking. Please don't tweet at me. I don't even use Twitter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> great. So, so uh, how about? So let's talk about you. You went to NYU. I did go. To so NYU. let's talk about the transition from from. At this point, are you in Virginia?
0: Yeah. So yeah, we moved so to you, Virginia you when, it. when I was like nine. And then oh, I, okay. I was I was there from like nine to eighteen. Got it. Yeah. So what about high school in Virginia? Yeah. What ta- What town in Virginia? Charlottesville. Oh it's, shit! It's like one of the best towns in Virginia. Yeah. But now because because sure. two years ago, everyone knows it as the town where a Nazi rally broke out. Sure, sure, and sure. And there was fighting on the streets and somebody was killed. Yes. Um, so – and honestly, when that first happened, <coughs> I, I'm going to preface all of this by saying I love Charlottesville, Virginia still. Mm-hmm. Like that place – I will say this, though. And your dads are still there, right? No, no, no. Now, my dads live in New Hampshire now. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, my got mom it. and my grandmother do, too. Okay. It was largely my mom who moved us down there. Okay. Um, so my dads never really came with us. Um, and they moved around a lot, too. But mm-hmm. um, we were mostly based in Virginia after that. Um, and that was cause my mom took a new job. She was, she was doing the, the immigrant thing, right. Where she worked her way through like school, mm. got a degree while raising us, mm. uh, then entered the business world and started rising through the ranks. And now she's been in an executive position at like all these companies over okay, the years. Mom. I know exactly. Right. I know it's, um, I I hear on a lot of these other episodes, so many of your guests talking about like that immigrant work ethic. Yeah, It's only been recently that I've realized like that's where I get it from. Yeah, It's for real, for real. Oh yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we moved to Virginia and um, high school in Virginia in Charlottesville was interesting because that was the first place where I did start to feel different. Hmm. And I felt the culture down there made me and us feel very different. Um, And I think, It's where um, my mom's old school, like, raised as a wasp-ism was triggered Mm. um, because down there like other Southerners from like Alabama or Texas would often say like, well, "Virginia's not the South or at the very least they'd be right. like, that's not quite the South. And they're kind of right because it's, it's gentry South down there. Mm-hmm. Like especially Northern Virginia and Charlottesville is kind of in the middle. Yeah. All of it is very um, like plantation Southerner still. Got um, there's like this sense of like the rich Southerners live there. Uh, and so that kind of comes off in the culture, I think. And, um, And I think my mom was really working to fit into that and help us fit into that when we first moved down there, uh, because the job was good and she just wanted us to like be comfortable and like give us a better life. Mm -hmm. But ultimately I think that also turned into like a lot of discomfort and, and confusion for me and my sister, because, uh, we were still like, there was a lot more diversity in Charlottesville to be fair. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's so much diversity in that city. Um, and we were often going to public schools, too. So right. we were we were often in the uh, the lower of the public schools in terms of where people would rate <laughs> yeah. them down there. Uh-huh. But I love that because then we were with real people, in my opinion, and yeah. we were making real friends yeah. and, and um, being exposed to all the walks of life mm-hmm. rather than going to, like, St. Ann's Belfield and only being with the, like, preppy preppy. That's a scary kids. name. Know, St. Ann's yeah. Belfield is a scary stab. name. Stab, we called it. There, <laughs> you like... called
1: it Stab? Ugh. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah. So so Virginia was really where I first started to be like like when I first got there, I was I was in like. Third grade and third grade through sixth grade, I was still the kid who was like, "Yeah, my my dads are gay and my mom is single and like that's crazy." So you were you were out there about it? Oh yeah, yeah. Because like I loved my life and I loved my family. I can't and... imagine that all the kids were nice about it. No, and that's, that's <laughs> the thing is like I, running that... theme of La Mescla is kids are dicks. Kids are super dicks. Kids are like, dicks. <laughs> that's the thing is like I made I made some of my best <laughs> friends right away when I got there. Like one of my oldest friends, Jordan Trader. I met him the first year I moved there and he was genuinely just one of the nicest guys I've ever met where he was so down with me being me and yeah. just did not have a problem. And there were a couple other kids like him who became part of my circle, but that was like the beginning of Mike's depression period of life uh. because then it also turned into so many kids who did not, were not down with what sure. I was. All... And then me, I mean, shit at my public school, you would have gotten like a lot of shit. So I can't imagine yeah. a public school in Virginia in the yeah. South. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, And, like, it wasn't just me, too. Like, I was just talking to Shana about this the other night. But my mom has stories about, like, she'd take me to hang out with friends at at my friends' houses. And the parents would all be hanging out in a lot of those situations. Uh. And my mom has always been... Because she was a single woman, she often took on masculine roles in the household. So she always felt most comfortable hanging out with the guys Mm. like that. She didn't like being stuck in a parlor room with the women or anything. So she would often hang in the kitchen or wherever all the guys were and like pop a beer and like and like smoke a cigar if that was happening or like (laughs) she, she really liked showing up. Hell yeah. And she also was coming up in the business world. So she. Yeah. That was her culture after a while. But. Wow, she, your mom's a fascinating woman. I know. She is incredibly fascinating. She knows it, too. And she knows I know it. Um, uh, shout out to mom. But, um, but she also talked about then she would be very aware of the women talking behind her back mm-hmm. then and often calling her like the slutty mom and things like that. Yeah. Like really, um, really, really getting at her. Mm. um and like the men wouldn't really help with that either like they i'm sure they too did their share of of talking yeah. or like or shit talking my mom and a lot yeah. of, and like in virginia too it was still pretty looked down upon to be a single mother i was going to say like yeah. in
1: genteel society yeah. uh, like a the, the word spinster gets thrown around a lot yeah i'm in sure and has... which uh, my mom never remarried or anything mm. so like i
0: can imagine she probably got some of that too yeah big time um and so yeah it was it was coming on all sides for all of us and for me it, it, it as sixth grade turned into like middle school and you know the glove really drops in middle school with mm. kids um that's where i really started to shut down and it was like when i stopped being sensitive like i used to cry all the time and then that was the point where like i stopped crying mm. because i was starting to be like okay i need to yeah. quote unquote man up yeah. or else i'm going to continue suffering were you an angry kid I became an angry yeah, kid then, too. I think, because too. originally I was just a sensitive kid, and then I think moving to Virginia made me sad mm. because of the culture, and then I became angry because yeah. nobody could really explain to me why any of this was happening. Yeah, um, and and I. Being being from a family who was very open and truthful and educational about all of this, mm-hmm. try to educate people when they would be ignorant. Yeah. Like like when people would hear my dad was gay and then be like, Oh, does that mean he touches kids? Like I'd have to be like, that's a pedophile that's what you're talking Not about. What that, yeah. means. that is yeah. a completely separate thing and in yeah. fact no way related. Or or like uh, like talking about my mom being single and people being like, What does that mean? Do you have like dudes coming over to your house all the time? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Well, yes, because my mom is a young woman who dates, but yeah, no, yeah. because she's She's not a prostitute, which yeah, is what yeah. it sounds like you're saying. Um, and then after a while, I just stopped trying because it's like – it's what a lot of, I think, uh, mixed race and people of color feel these days, which is like it's not my job to educate you. Like sure. I, it shouldn't be my job to have to educate you. Like, yeah. um, And that that kind of became my mentality in middle school. And that was really when I began also – my own version of like trying to be as white as possible yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. right there with you because I by by seventh grade I didn't have <coughs> like any friends at all I usually spent lunches walking around the track listening to music
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> which sounds
0: sad but these days that's like a therapeutic practice for me sure, like, yeah. I love I love like maybe smoking a joint and just walking around someplace with my headphones oh, of on. Course. The just, story like, of course so yeah, yeah story story especially my life. in New York it's beautiful I walked home from
1: 34th Street <laughs> a couple weeks ago
0: I so love Washington on, I live
1: on 100 80th street. I did that with a with a nice vape pen and a couple a couple of albums that I
0: like. Snaps to that. I yes. love everything about that. Yes, yeah, yes, and the yes, album yes. game too, letting an album run. That's always. like one of my favorites. Always, always. Um but yeah, so and was, were you were you already performing? When did performing ha- start happening? Those kind of came at the same time because honestly, I I was mm, such an isolated, brooding, the brooding. Kid. The brooding performer. I know, I know. I was uh, kind of the same way. Well, and what happened was in middle school, I watched this production of this kind of feeds into performance questions, but I watched this production of A Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. and uh, what I the story I tell casting directors is I got into performing for a girl, which was true because mm-hmm. in the Christmas Carol this beautiful young woman was playing... um was playing, uh, uh, I think Scrooge.
1: Oh. oh, I was saying it as a joke.
0: Nope, nope. legitimately. <laughs> that's it was the, amazing. It was the oddest casting choice, but i that's was dope very, though. I know I was very into it. Um, and I remember speaking to a friend of mine who was part of the drama department and being like, I, I was just head over heels for her. I was like, I would do anything to just have the opportunity to talk to her. You um, were saying this to the, yeah, the... to my friend. <laughs> okay, and he was like, Well, good news. The they're casting for next semester's show. So okay. if you got into the drama club you'd be in a room with her every nice. afternoon so i was like okay Very um nice. yeah and i up until that point, too, it wasn't like I was coming out of a severe shell because I had always been a loud, performative kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I remember, after Aladdin came out when I was young, I bought the the picture book of the movie and then forced my family to sit down while I went through every scene of the movie, performing <laughs> myself, especially the Robin Williams part. Sure. So, oh, um, I can see that so vividly. They can too. They still regret every minute of that, I'm sure. But um, so I was I was into the performance element too. But then. I went into this audition and didn't think much of it. Didn't even really think I was going to get in. But I like sang "Happy Birthday" and read some sides, uh-huh. uh, and I ended up getting the lead in the musical that they were doing wow. the next semester, uh, side by side with the girl I was interested in. She was wow. the, the was o- she was the opposite lead. What was the musical? It was Dear Edwina, which is still done to I this day. Vaguely mm-hmm. know that one. Yeah, it's the a company very... I used to work for. Did it not that long uh, yeah. Ago. yeah, yeah. There are a lot of like touring companies that still do it for yeah. children's theaters and stuff. And it's it's a it's a funny, cute little musical. Yeah yeah. Um and I played like the geeky chess playing guy who's really into Edwina who's like running the whole show. Uh, and by the end of the show she's been ignoring me cuz she's busy with managing everything and I finally have this like show-stopping number where I admit my <laughs> love for her and yes. she did So and turned, you were what age? I had to be uh I think I was like 13, Got it. 12 or 13, yeah. Um, and then it, art ended up imitating life, or life ended up imitating art in this situation. Because I ended up like dating that wow. that girl for for like a week.
1: I also dated someone that I was opposite in a in a play in high school. It's how it, it ha- goes. It happens. Yeah. Show me how it goes. That's exactly. how it goes.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then. Uh, she she definitely dumped me hard after, like, a week. Went back to her, like... After a week? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. that's brutal. Well, she had a thing going with some football player boyfriend who actually later it. became a good friend of mine. But God damn it. I know, I know. Um But, like, the good thing was, as much as that broke my heart, I was also, like, now very much in love with performing. Yeah. Um, and I stayed in theater throughout the rest of middle school and high school. Yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah. I was the same. I mean,
1: I didn't get into it because I had a crush on someone. But, like, one taste and I was, I, you know... I was hooked.
0: It's like crack cocaine. That's how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Once you get that first applause, mm-hmm. and you get through that first show with sweat all over you, you're like, yeah, it's crack yep. cocaine yep, yep, for sure. Yep. Yep. My yeah. first
1: show was um, Schoolhouse Rock: The Musical.
0: <laughs> oh no! I was in the ensemble. I didn't. I didn't have a part or anything, but I fucking loved it. I would kill to see young Adrian Burke, <laughs> yeah, man. in that show. <laughs> yeah, man.
1: great times. I was in the fifth grade. Fifth grade? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Wow. Who did you do, who did you play? What did you play? I was, I was play? just a fucking kid. Like the the premise of the musical I think was like like it, I played one of the kids, so it's like all the kids who were like sad about life or whatever mm. and they all watch TV cuz Schoolhouse Rock was a TV yep. program. Yep. So they they watch TV. Oh, actually so my character my one bit was that like I was like the inciting incident of the play cuz like basically my character wants to <laughs> My character wants to be like Ben Franklin. Oh, I'm remembering it now. My character wants to be like Ben Franklin, so he tries to fly a kite during the thunderstorm, like uh-huh. Ben Franklin did. Uh, so he does that, and then it gets the the kite gets hit by lightning, and somehow that like sucks him and all the other kids into the TV. Oh, I kind of so, love that. So then they have to like hang out with the Schoolhouse Rock characters yeah. or whatever. So I was like that kid. That oh, was, cool. That was my first acting part ever. Beautiful. Yeah good times (laughs) always the star i love it so talk to me so so then you decide to apply to acting school
0: yeah to nyu yeah because i was really blessed um my high school charlottesville high school um was probably the strongest theater program in, in Virginia. One of the most, like, one of the strongest. Like, wow. I became very quickly very close with our theater director, David Small, down there. Shout-outs, David Small? Shout-outs, David Small, tiny Puerto Rican man. Oh, uh, Yeah, yeah, he was lived by his name. He was All very right. small. Did he know
1: that you were Dominican?
0: Uh, he found out later on. Mm. Um, but uh, he was a powerhouse, and he, he was a huge tech person, too, so mm-hmm. he always had lavish sets and, like, a great tech team. You may or may not have... Have shown me a video once yes. of one of your high school yes. shows and it was hilarious. Are but very also weird. the the I was so impressed by the that set. I was yeah. like, what the fuck high school has a set like yeah, this? Yeah, that was that was when we did the Martian Chronicles, and he legit <laughs> had the tech team for like weeks building these periactoids, is what they're called. What? It's an I think it's an old Greek structure that was used in Greek theater, but it's basically a okay. triangle on wheels that you put different set faces on each side of the triangle oh. so you can just turn the triangles wow. and create new sets shout outs David Small. Seriously. Even back then, I was like – but I was involved in every aspect of it because, like, I found haven in that theater department. So, yeah. like, I would do tech work. I would audition for – I got a lot of the lead roles and would really try and be like – like, I, I played sports a little bit in the beginning of high school uh-huh. because I was trying that on for size. Same. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And – I could never really feel like a leader in the mm-hmm. sports world because I wasn't. I was a complete like like bottom of the barrel when it came to that. But in theater, I could feel like a leader. Yeah, and I really liked that because I wanted I wanted to be like even before I knew what a call sheet was, I wanted to be like a good top of the call sheet person. Like, yeah, that sounds a little shitty the way I'm saying it to myself. No, yeah. no, it's exactly what you said to be a leader. Right, to, to right. set a good example. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like I was always in it, not even just for attention myself. I liked being. a part of a collaboration. Yeah. Like uh, to this day I still love when when we all just get together and make something cool happen. Yeah. So I did that throughout high school and ended up blooming in it all so much so that David Small helped me audition for mm-hmm. NYU. Um, and I first visited New York in like fall of 2008 to mm-hmm. go to the NYU audition. And I remember my mom uh, was doing. That was your first time in New York. Was that my first time? Wow! I had come as a kid, but I didn't remember whatever trip that was. But um, so this was my first like cognizant trip to New York and I remember my mom was already up here for work so she planned it she was like I'll book a hotel oh great you come up on the train you'll stay in the hotel with me you'll do your audition we'll both go back down together Mm -hmm. um and so I came up on my own got off the train walked from like Grand Central Station like through down to Astor Place yeah Yeah, exactly and then like we were staying close to Times Square so after the audition there was a point where I came back to the room and mom and I were just gonna like watch a movie and I was like Hey, I think I need to go for a walk and yeah. just like think about stuff for a minute. Is that okay? And she was like, Yeah, totally. And I ended up putting on my headphones. Uh-huh. Um, if my mom hadn't been there, I probably would have smoked too. But sure. but then uh, walking to Times Square, and I remember. Having just, like, a spiritual experience. In Times around. Square. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> ten years later, ten Ew. years later, I'm always Ew. like, oh.
1: <laughs> No, but well, you were fine. You didn't know better. Yeah, no. Exactly.
0: And that's why, like, these days I work with tourists a lot. Having so... having
1: an epiphany in front of the M&M store. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I mean, you come from, like, you come from Charlottesville, Virginia. I get it. I get it. And, like, it. suddenly the walls are made of lights. It's like. Yeah.
1: I get it. I and get Elmo it. And Elmo is there. It's just
0: like, Times Square is the worst place on it's, planet Earth. Yeah, it's the <laughs> armpit of, of New York City, that's for sure.
1: That's so great, though. That's beautiful. And then you yeah. got in.
0: And then I got in. So what was it What was it like moving to New York and being in New York? Was that a big culture shock? It you? was a huge culture shock. I needed it, though. Because, um, to be honest, uh, I had an interesting end of high school, too. So my mom got a job in New Hampshire uh, when I was just entering my senior year. Okay. And they kind of required her. They were like, you don't have to move completely, but we do need you up here most of the time. So mm. if you can do like three weeks of each month up here and then a week back in Charlottesville, that would wow. work. Wow, Jesus. So yeah, she so kind of... that was happening during your senior year of high school? Yeah, yeah. Wow. right at the beginning of the year. She had just um, recently gone through a divorce, um, which I was happy about because I did not like my stepdad. Okay. Um, but so she was kind of entering the space of like, she needed a change. She needed a little bit more money. She needed to kind of get out of Charlottesville, I think, too. Yeah. So it was conducive to everything she needed. But she approached me before she accepted the Job and was like because my sister was out of the house by then, so it was just me. Um, Okay, and my mom was kind of like, "Can't uh, would would you be able to work this? Like, would you be all right living here on your own?" Wow, so you were on your own three weeks out of the month? Yeah, for my entire senior year. And I, I straight up told her, I was like, "I will throw parties." I I was (laughs) about to say, "Like, were you that kid?" (laughs) And I told her, I was like, "If you trust me not to have anyone die at my parties, if you trust me to." Uh, not have the house get shattered or broken, mm-hmm. um, and and like if you just trust me that the cops aren't going to come, yeah. uh, I will throw these parties and this will totally work. Yeah, and she trusted me big time. Wow, she, I think to this day we both. Your have... mom is fascinating. So fascinating.
1: <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She'll okay. listen to this and be like, "Oh, I can't believe he's telling this to everybody."
1: <laughs> <laughs> my mom, my mom and I had a very different relationship when I was in high school.
0: What What was your dynamic?
1: Well, my mom love her to death. She's she's. Uh, I don't think she'll listen to this. She might, uh, but uh, lover, de- she's softened in her years. But you know, listen, a single immigrant mom. She went through some shit. Like her husband died when like both her kids were like mm. kids. She went through it. But like, she- homegirl was a hard ass. Mm-hmm. She like did not take any shit. Yeah. And she was She threw some real creative punishments my way back in the day. <laughs> Um, but like I said, as I've got, as both of us have gotten older, we've both kind of like chilled out cause I was like not an easy kid either. Yeah. Um, but was if I. I, if I ever, I did throw a couple of parties at our apartment cause my mom would go to Peru for a couple weeks out of the, like for a couple weeks at a time, uh, a couple times a year. So I had my opportunities, but I would never, ever be as honest as you were with your mom. Ever. <laughs> I don't think I ever told my mom about the parties that I threw at our apartment. Which, so that's which is most people's story, that's I feel like. That's news to you, Ma, if you're yeah. listening to this. <laughs> uh, how were those parties? Did They, they were fun. Were they, they off the chain? I wouldn't call them off the chain, but they were fun. Nothing bad happened. Okay, it was yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good.
1: anyway uh, now I'm just thinking about that
0: I know (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's so interesting because I was, I was actually having dinner with friends last night and we got – I ended up talking about this very same yeah. thing uh. and all of them were so interested. And then we all started talking about our high school selves. And it's right. just kind of wild to think back to how different of a human you are. Yeah. Especially because your original question was about like transitioning to New York. Yeah, So yeah, yeah. I brought all that up because then that senior year I basically lived alone in a three-story house with a couple of dogs in the middle of the Virginia countryside. I mean – what better prep for being alone at school though that's the thing is like uh, when i got to new york i was like a grandpa like <laughs> i didn't really wanna party anymore right? i didn't because yeah. we like uh, my I don't want to get my mom in any trouble. She was a very trusting woman. And thankfully, she didn't know about most of what was actually going on. But like these parties got wild. And like the degree to which me and my friends were getting into stuff was pretty deep for a high school level range. Yeah, we'll keep it vague. Yeah, (laughs) we'll keep it vague. Let's do that. (laughs) So by the time I got to New York... And NYU, everybody was arriving and getting ready to do all that stuff. Right. And I didn't want to do it anymore.
1: So did you find yourself
0: in, like, caretaker mode? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That makes sense. I I ended up befriending a good group of of New Jersey kids who were wild, like, Jersey jammer partiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of became the grandpa of that group. That's so funny. Yeah, and they had a good time, too, kind of, like, trying to get me out of my shell and, like, get me to party and all. Um, But then I also got to New York, and, like, again, that immigrant mindset kind of kicked in because – my mom took on the burden of debt to send me to NYU. Right. Um, and I took on a little bit of debt, too. But I, from the get-go, I was very aware of how much my education and my choice was going to cost both yeah, of us. Me, too. Yeah. And I mean, the, I got all
1: the debt, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about that. It's <laughs> how it goes. It's real. Yeah. Maybe it'll get canceled. Who knows? <laughs> For no, yeah, Yeah. Like, I'm
1: going to die and die.
0: <laughs> I know. Um,
1: um, that's awesome, though. I, so did you did you feel your – because at this point you're a little older. Are you feeling a little bit more like you want to get back in touch with that Dominican side when you're here?
0: Yeah. Well <laughs> – Or has that been more of a recent development? Yeah. Honestly, it's sadly been more recent because – That's not sad. I, I Every, feel everybody sad. Everybody in their own time. Yeah. It, it's just I, I, I look back and realize how much all of high school was me – trying to be a white bro. Mm -hmm. And like, when I came to NYU, I think uh, so many of my friends are still people I met when I first got to NYU like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But so many of them would tell you... Shout outs, Charlotte. Charlotte are (laughs) new. We have to. She'll get mad if we don't. Of course, yes. And Charlotte would tell you straight up. She'd be like, yeah, Mike was a... a, uh, slightly racist white surfer bro kind yeah. of like like not not slightly racist but i definitely like <laughs> slightly <laughs> racist. i definitely was not woke is sure. the thing like i would definitely make say jokes stuff. and say, say stuff th- yeah, i was yeah, problematic yeah. To i say would say
1: some, I, i'm still problematic sure yeah,
0: yeah. um and um, we're both working on it that's all you really can do to yeah. a certain extent but but yeah so even at nyu and in new york i didn't I didn't really feel comfortable embracing my heritage or where I come from, because now, too, I was around like city Dominicans and yeah. city Puerto Ricans who had grown up, even though they were in New York City or had been born here, they were growing up in that culture. Yeah. So the more I got exposed to a lot of them and saw and worked with a lot of them once I started working in the city. Uh, the more I felt like I should just not even mention that's where the fraud complex comes right. from me too. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, like I have plenty of Dominican folks still who hear that I'm Dominican and they're like, Do you speak Spanish? I'm like, no. And they're like, You're not Dominican, man. That's funny like, because I know a lot of Dominicans
1: who look a lot more Dominican than you who also don't speak Spanish. <laughs> so <laughs> I gotta meet them, is the thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, it's actually been in the last like like two or three years that uh, a friend of mine who I met at NYU, again, a, a fine individual, Victor Cervantes, who now lives in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, and um, his mentor at the time, Lucy Thurber, brought me in to Middle Voice Theater Company at Rattlestick Theater. Nice. Um, and they are a group totally devoted to to um, these kinds of issues, like really making theater and uh, providing. Avenues to communities to get voices of people of color, mixed race um, stories that aren't heard that often, the middle voices mm-hmm. out into the world. Okay, um, and it was there that like I was very honored to be invited. But when I was first part of that company, I felt super uncomfortable mm. because I was surrounded by all these 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 um, actors and writers and directors of color or of mixed backgrounds or of Latino descent mm-hmm. who were very much in their culture, and yeah. I. I felt like a total fraud Um, and it was only through more meetings with them and them exposing me to like the writings of James Baldwin and things like that that I really started to like come around to like the idea that my confused identity is an American identity. Mm. This idea of like, I have so many different backgrounds that all kind of conflict and that don't really fit into any niche here in the States is so American Mm. is like the American story. Interesting. Yeah. And that's, what's really inspired me to try and embrace it more. And like, I just recently finished reading a book about the Dominican Civil War, just to be like, what actually happened, and like yeah. what lines up with my family yeah, story. It's an event that literally is the reason you grew up the way you did, exactly. And like reading about it from like a journalist's perspective gave me so much more perspective on my family and mm-hmm. why they are the way they are, and and just and just like and honestly gave me more problems with my home country here, the United States. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, if
1: you're from any Central or South American country, then uh, the, the, oh <laughs> the U.S.'s God, yeah. involvement seriously. Will, will, will
0: seriously fuck with you. Seriously. This whole side of the hemisphere, it's yeah. just like, what is going on with yeah. that? Um, but yeah, yeah. So I've been making more of an effort to reclaim, even like, like my grandmother's 80th birthday is next year, mm-hmm. and I have very little time to spare for anything these days outside yeah. of like my pursuits and my relationships and all, but and I paying rent, I'm paying rent and paying rents and surviving in New York city. I feel you. Um, but I, I really want to make an effort to like maybe learn at least cursory conversational Spanish Fuck so yeah. that by her 80th birthday, I can speak to her I'll in practice her... with you. Yeah, I would love that. Honestly. I can't for the life of me understand Dominicans, but <laughs> I'll do my best. Well, that's what's funny. My grandmother says the same thing, especially in Puerto Rico too. It's the same thing is you get this very specific brand of Spanglish down yeah. there that yeah. makes it even but harder. I mean,
1: I live the corner I live on is 1 million thousand percent Dominicans. Uh-huh. And I can't, I can get, I can get a little bit just cause I've lived there for two years mm-hmm. at this point. But it's a Dominican speak very very fast. There's a lot of slang, mm-hmm. and like the you guys, you guys, uh, Dominican, you blend words together. Like there's a lot of elision. Like yeah. three words become one word. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? I can't understand you yeah. at all.
0: Which is wild because I have <coughs> so not... I'll practice with you, but I don't know the Dominican dialect. Honestly, all. that means the world to me. I would love that because like I, I've I've had so many resources. Por supuesto, Practicamos. <laughs> sí. <laughs> Here comes the shame. Yo. Oh, um, there's no, no need to be ashamed. No, no, I, I really appreciate you offering that, though, and I probably will take you up on that because I, I want to make that effort. and um, And, yeah, it's actually funny you say that because I haven't spoken Spanish throughout my life, but, like, my English... Me, a, a few of my puerto rican family members or dominican family members mm-hmm. have said that we're like your english sounds like dominican spanish like you speak like a dominican with your english and interesting. i just i think that might be new york Yeah, it's like 10 yeah, years probably. is cuz yeah. dominicans are such a huge presence here exactly exactly and like the lingo is this kind of fast like you merge words kind of yeah. thing there's a lot of yeah 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 and yeah, like everything yeah, yeah, like yeah. so i i feel like that's that's strange but interesting when yeah. you're just saying that i was like oh yeah yeah um let me ask kind of a funky question yeah uh, so
1: I mean so I haven't I don't think I've said on, on the show yet that we also we are coworkers, we work yeah. together. that's yeah. how I met you we yeah. We both teach children <laughs> childs, we both teach <laughs> childs at the same program. <laughs> Uh
0: Julia Childs
1: <laughs> we both, we <laughs> teach Julia Childs. Uh <laughs> we teach acting to Childs at the same program again shout out Charlotte Arnaud. Shout out Charlotte, Charlotte Arnaud and Good um, Cap Arts. And Good Cap Arts, mm-hmm. Katie Capiello. what up? Katie oh, it's what public up? now. Grand Army, yeah. let's go. Oh, Grand I, Army on Netflix.
0: Everybody Katie Capiello is a genius and follow uh, everything she does. I will talk about
1: it especially when the show comes out. Wow. I will talk about it a ton
0: on Oh, on 100%. Yeah. Uh
1: but uh so we we teach kids, so we've talked about like your experiences as a kid. So, I guess, and who knows maybe a couple of them will listen to it. A couple of them tried to get into the live show that I did for this like really? for i i it didn't occur to me that there was a bar in the venue that I had the live show, so they got turned away, and oh, I felt so no. bad. So, shout outs to any of my students who were po- our students who were possibly listening to this. But love you guys. Uh, s- send young humans a message in in the in the vein of like what you would tell yourself when you were at that age. In the context of like being a mixed, multi-layered human, like what would you say to young Mike when you were like the age of some of our students in class?
0: Yeah. Oh, that is such a good question. Uh, this is why they pay me zero money to do this, baby. <laughs> yeah. What would I say to like? I guess like twelve year old me or any of those kids. It would. It would. Oh man, this is gonna be rough. Um, That'll be great. It would. It would definitely be. Let all of you be seen and heard. Hmm. Don't leave any of it out. Like you are a mess. And that is exactly what you should show and and let people hear about you.
1: Hell yeah! Because
0: to this day, I still struggle with that. Like even in my most intimate relationships, I have such trouble letting everybody see how much of a mess I actually am. Yeah. And I think it makes me a less interesting artist. Like I think I'm most interesting in what I'm trying to create and what I'm trying to do when I'm just raw. Yeah, and I and I know especially for like kids, that's the toughest thing. Especially in middle school, like it's so tough. God forbid when you're a teenager, like a lot of our students. I know, I know. Yeah, which I I just hope they would hear this twenty nine year old version of themselves turning back and being like, "Do it, do it." I promise it's going to be okay. Yeah, I promise. Showing every bit of yourself will be fine. Yeah, it will be rough at times. It'll be painful, but. But if you can continue to show all of yourself, you will have the most beautiful life. Mm. Yeah.
1: Ooh, I love that. I'm getting a little emotional. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I remember I actually just re-listened to the first episode of this show the other day. Because I hadn't in a long time, and i there was a I brought up this quote from uh I'm contractually obligated to mention Lynn Memoir Miranda because I live in his neighborhood but there's a a quote uh from him that I paraphrase and I will continue to paraphrase and further bastardize but uh he said this thing on some interview I watched of him that was like uh growing up and maturing as an artist as a human, but especially as an artist is about uh, i 'm paraphrasing, but uh growing up as a an artist and a human is about bringing all of yourself into the room instead of the, just the parts of yourself that match the rest of the room. Mm. And that was like part of why I started this show. So you, pr- yeah. you pretty much just encapsulated that. Great. So you're basically exactly like Lin-Manuel <laughs> Oh, my God. You have his bank account now.
0: Congrats. Yes. <laughs> Great. I own a restaurant in Puerto Rico? Yeah. <laughs> he owns a lot more than that. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> uh,
1: amazing. So we're winding down. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you would like to?
0: Uh, no. You know, that's that's pretty much my story and, Hell yeah. and all the things that came of it.
1: Is is there anything? How can people keep up with your shit? Is there anything you'd like to plug?
0: Yeah. At um, uh, Mike Turner NYC is my Instagram. Let's go. Uh, at um, www.mike Turner is my website. Let's so go. Definitely pop over there. You get to see all the stuff I've done and am doing. Um, yes. Come if on. anybody out there is looking for a great, uh, affordable alternative to therapy in the search for good Whoa. therapists, yes. I currently shoot with an app called Bloom. Um, they are a self-care app who okay. has, has kind of mixed they've kind of mixed the mediums of master class meets Whoa. headspace Whoa. so I'm currently... Wait, you shoot with them? Yeah, like, so, so you, you're like their like, spokesperson? Exactly, when you pull up the app I'm the one talking to you. Basically. I didn't know this Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? I know well, Wait, I
1: desperately want to see this now. You after should we, After
0: we cut, yeah, it, I will. Absolutely They, Yeah, we've been shooting for like four or five months they launched I, I, a little while ago and they're still very much uh, creating and, and making the app better day by so day you are like the face and voice of
1: self-care uh, for i am the head of self-care set of care
0: for bloom at this point and every is that a, your real title that is my real that's title that's crazy yeah, yeah. are you <laughs> kidding me
1: oh my god so like
0: once a week for nine hours we shoot all these lessons and when you sign up for the app you get a lesson a day yeah um, and then you can branch out from there if you if you subscribe to the whole app that's you, kind of perfect for you it is i agree and like i it, it very much fell into my lap and, and was was such a fluke that we all got together. But now, um, Charlotte was saying the other day, she was like, they got so lucky getting you as an actor because it's like, it's true. this is all stuff I very much care about and take yeah. seriously. And... To be able to shoot every week talking about things yeah. that I work like on for not, myself. It's like not—it's not just a
1: check for you.
0: No, no, exactly. It's—it's it's something I genuinely care about. And and That's so nice. As somebody who has trouble finding an affordable therapist myself these days, yeah. Now that Annie is beyond my means and reach, mm-hmm. um, shout, and shout out to Annie. To Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I really want to be a part of something that might offer an affordable, at least interim thing that can help people out. Yeah. That's amazing. So if any of you are looking for a resource like that, uh, go into the app store, Apple, iTunes, and look up bloom. Uh, it's the purple symbol. There is another Bloom self-care app that's run by a couple of ladies, um, and that is not Fuck us. Them. We hate them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good luck to them, but also not us. And screw them. And uh, Bloom, Bloom, Bloom. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Can I Can I
1: blow up your spot a little bit? Sure. I won't say any details, but also Mike is like a very, very talented writer, <laughs> and I am a couple of chapters into a book that he wrote. So whenever it's on your shelves, uh, buy it, please.
0: Yeah, everybody keep your eyes peeled for the creators coming out. Novelist. He's a novelist. (laughs) I had to. I felt like I had to. I was literally reading
1: it last night. Thank you. I'm so glad you're reading it. I'm so happy because it took you fucking six months to send it to me. I know. (laughs) I am an incredible friend. Thank you for saying so. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having Uh, me. Say something funny.
0: Say something funny? Yeah. Uh Gerbil Nads. <laughs>
1: okay, bye. Te prometo. É tudo que você vai querer. De boa. De boa. Só quero que a vida and that does it for this week's episode of la mezcla thank you so much to mike turner for coming in please be sure to follow him on instagram check out his website uh, and hopefully very very soon check out his book the creators i'm halfway through it right now and losing my shit over it it's so good <laughs> and uh thank you to ad large studios for having me an authentic talent and literary management for hooking me up shout outs carly Holgendike. um shout outs to everybody listen to this all of my mom's friends uh, i love you all please keep up with the show we'll have another one with you next week follow us on instagram and facebook and all that jazz and new live show dates coming very very soon i know a lot of people were bummed that they missed the last one so please keep an eye out on all our social media feeds for the next one okay i hope you have a wonderful week yeah 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 goddamn fucking human okay uh, 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 uh bye <laughs>